Welcome to The Leader, the Evening Standard's daily news, commentary and analysis podcast. We're here at 4pm. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Iran battered two US military bases in Iraq with at least 15 ballistic missiles. His war next. What the Iranians are fervently hoping for is a pause because the real unknown for them is Trump and Trump's total unpredictability. Our defence editor Robert Fox says the Middle East and the world is waiting for the US to respond. Also, if this happened when they were 8, 9 and 10, why are we then waiting for when they're 14, 15 to be excluded from school for us to support them? We talked to a young woman whose life was nearly ruined after being kicked out of school as the Evening Standard launches a million pound campaign to cut exclusions. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, Defence Editor Robert Fox on the crisis in Iran. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. For half an hour from around 10.30 at night, Iran pounded two US bases in Iraq with ballistic missiles. Revenge, said the country's state TV, for the White House-ordered killing of General Qasem Soleimani. In Tehran, to crowds chanting, God is great and death to America... Ayatollah Ali Khamenei suggested Iran was just getting started. Last night we slapped them, he said, and added these military actions are not enough for revenge. Our most reasonable people would accept that the United States has a right to protect its bases and its, and its personnel. In the House of Commons, Prime Minister Boris Johnson gave his support to the US but called for de-escalation in the Middle East. And for all the Ayatollah's tough words, there are some who believe a targeted strike that appears to have killed no one may be Iran's attempt at a face-saving retaliation that doesn't provoke a stronger response. Evening Standard's defence editor Robert Fox has been talking to sources in the Middle East. Robert, could this action draw a line under the affair? 
No, I don't think it'll draw a line under the whole affair, but I think that what the Iranians are fervently hoping for is a pause, because the real unknown for them is Trump and Trump's total unpredictability when he's going to talk peace, when he's going to be a pussycat, or when he's suddenly going to go for a big strike. And it, taking out uh, Soleimani was a really very big strike and a very provocative one. An Iraqi friend of mine said overnight, and he'd been talking to friends in Iran and Iraq, said this has really thrown a loop around them. They're utterly confused. They don't know what to do. And by the way, there's a great deal of uh, problem over the succession to the two main men, the two big men that were killed by the drone strike last week. Oh, that's interesting because I thought Iran had said that it was going to carry on business as usual. They're just going to promote somebody else into that uh, position that is now obviously vacant. Uh, nothing will change. Yes, but the the problem is that Ismail Khani, we know the man who was uh, Soleimani's deputy, is taking over, but he is a deputy's deputy. He is not an instigator and the great thing about Soleimani, which went a bit um, over the top in the end, was he was a tremendous innovator. He was an original. He was uh, a very modest educational background, but he achieved the ability of speaking uh, Arabic very well. This made him the ideal man to deal with uh, not only Syria, Iraq, but also Lebanon, where you have the keystone element of Hezbollah because uh, Iran helped, including uh, Suleiman himself, helped set up uh, Hezbollah there. And it has become a model right across the region for Shiite militias, which are so important for keeping Assad in power in Syria and so important for propping up the al-Mahdi regime in, in in Baghdad, shaky though, uh, shaky though that is. So if there is all this confusion in Iran, do you think Donald Trump got what he wanted? Good heavens, I haven't a clue what Donald Trump wants. And even many people around him don't really know because the way this thing was planned, which makes it so unusual, was it was totally unprofessional. When you do operational planning, you lay out the scenario, you see what's for you, what's against, what your allies are doing, and what your objective is, which is laid out in that tired old phrase, a mission statement. Goodness knows when he was down at his uh, fastness in Miami, what Trump thought was going on, because my understanding is the Defence Secretary, Mark Esper, presented a range of scenarios, and it was a throwaway at the end. Well, of course, you can always take out the boss man uh, in charge of all these militias that are doing the stuff, really their funder, uh, Mr. or General Soleimani. And it was said, hmm, Almost as a joke, but a black joke. You know, that is the extreme end of what we can do. And really, we should be thinking of everything in between. But of course, Trump being Trump, he took the extreme end. Now that that's happened, now that Iran have responded, do we have any kind of impression at all of a US plan? Does the White House know what it's going to do next? The White House doesn't. Uh, I think that that is fairly self-evident. You have to talk about what the first, second and third line strategic consequences are. 
if A happens, does C happen? But you may be expecting C to happen, but X, Y and Z are going to happen at the same time. This is the way these things are planned. But it seems to be a process completely foreign to the Trump White House. Next. I think it's understandable that parents are going to feel if young people are being naughty, then yes, they don't want that student in the class. But we're also looking at young people that are acting out for a reason. Eliza Ribeiro tells the leader about life in a pupil referral unit as the Evening Standard launches a million pound campaign to cut school exclusions. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week, the Evening Standard's running an in-depth investigation into school exclusions and the devastating effects it can have on pupils. Today, we're announcing the launch of a £1 million campaign to bring the number of children permanently removed from school to a minimum. Our editorial column explains. We're taking a hard look at the way thousands of children are removed from mainstream education for sustained bad behaviour. It has serious consequences for all of us. It costs a huge amount of money, around £18,000 per child. It leaves young people trapped without qualifications. It's linked directly to drug gangs and knife crime. So we're launching a new £1 million campaign to help cut the number of exclusions to the minimum. The fund will offer grants of up to £150,000 per school over three years to help develop ways of keeping disruptive pupils in schools without ruining the chances of better-behaved pupils. The money comes jointly from John Lyons Charity and philanthropist Martin Moshal. Each will contribute £500,000. Eliza Ribeiro was sent to a pupil referral unit, or PRU, at 12 years old after aggressive behaviour at school. Now 26, she founded the Lives Not Knives campaign aimed at tackling youth crime and gang culture. She joins me from their office. Eliza, tell me, how did being in a PRU change you? I feel like being in a pupil referral unit changed the way I saw the education system for me. I personally felt like I wasn't being pushed enough intellectually for me to be able to want to do my GCSEs or want to work harder or to know from there what next steps I've got in terms of a career or goals. Is there a better way to help pupils rather than send them off to a PRU? A lot of the young people that are referred to us after they've been excluded, we're looking at the fact that 
they have been mentally abused or physically abused or sexually abused or there's stuff that they've been through at a much younger age and they tick certain boxes for them to be referred to us. And we're basically looking and saying, if this happened when they were eight, nine and 10, why are we then waiting for when they're 14, 15 to be excluded from school for us to support them? We need to be putting in the right people who can mentally support them through that traumatic time and be able to help them heal and help them move on so they're not holding on to that anger um which is then acting them to getting them to act out of term but there will be some parents who want disruptive pupils taken out of classrooms to protect their own children what would you say to them i think it's understandable that parents are going to feel if young people are being naughty or if they're acting in a way that's disrupting a whole class then yes they don't want that student in the class but we're also looking at young people that actually are acting out for a reason and we need to understand what that reason is before excluding them from school and that's looking back at their history and understanding whether there's any abuse whether it be sexual or mental abuse whether there's any family trauma whether there's something that they have been through and they haven't been able to release yet and actually saying that they might be acting out for those reasons and you can read more about our campaign in the evening standard newspaper or online at standard.co.uk and that's the leader. Subscribe and rate us through your podcast provider and try out our audio news bulletins. You can get them at seven every morning. Just ask your smart speaker for the news from the Evening Standard. The leader's back at four tomorrow.